We shall now turn to the chapter which we read together, the prophecy of Hosea, chapter 14. And our text for tonight is the first part of of verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. As we look around the church today in Scotland, we feel things are not in a very good way. It's easy to see the faults in the various churches. Toleration of immorality, Sabbath-breaking, worldly lifestyles, superficial entertainment-type worship. While it's easy for us to see the faults of others, it's far more important for us to see our own faults and to look into our own hearts. Judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. So we have to look into our own hearts. That's far more important for us than criticizing others. And sadly, we're not that great, are we? We're not that holy, are we? We're not that prayerful, are we? Are we on fire for God? Or are we backslidden? Others have to answer for their own lives before God. But sadly, there's worldliness, spiritual coldness and deadness amongst ourselves. The prophecy of Hosea challenges us. And this verse tonight surely is speaking to us. But first of all, what is backsliding? Before you backslide, you've got to be a Christian. You're sliding back from something. Sliding down a a hill, as it were, from a high place. So you've got to be, first of all, a Christian. Normally when somebody is converted, they're all enthusiastic and zealous and excited. They've been convicted of sin. They see their need. They feel their guilt. They're crying for mercy. And then God saves them. And they've got peace and they've got forgiveness and they've got joy and the love of God is in their hearts. And things are wonderful and they're so enthusiastic and they can't get enough of the Bible and they can't get enough of church and they can't get enough of Christian fellowship and they're witnessing to others and they're trying to convert the world. And then sometimes there's a decline There's a sliding back. 
There's a growing coldness. I wonder, could that be true of you? Was there a time in your life when you were far more enthusiastic for the things of God? When you were much more passionate about Christ and his kingdom? Much more zealous in attending the means of grace and reading your Bible and praying? Backsliding is not somebody committing suddenly some big sin. It never happens that way. It's a gradual thing. A gradual falling away. Love diminished and growing cold. Zeal cooling down. Idols gripping the heart. Work, family, pleasure, entertainment, money, this world, having a high place and the things of the world to come fading away. Pride comes in. How easy it is for pride to come in. We're, we're so concerned about ourselves and we think so highly of ourselves. We think of how good we are, how clever we are, how wise we are, what a fine personality we have and that we're, we're lovely people and we're kindly people and good people. And there's all this pride about us. Pride perhaps in our religion even and pride in our prayers and pride in our zeal. And, and if there's one thing God hates, it's pride. How easy it is for us to compare ourselves favorably with other Christians. To hide our own faults and to enlarge the faults of others. Generally speaking, backsliding involves failure, particularly in private devotion, private prayer is the first thing that's affected. Prayers are rushed. Prayers in your closet, in your bedroom. Prayers on your knees. They're short, they're formal, they're dull, they're dead. Reading of the Bible is rushed. Sometimes very little read, sometimes very little remembered. Sometimes no meditation upon the scriptures. Neglecting prayer, reading. Standards dropping generally. No longer sensitive to sin the way you used to be. 
you hear swearing and you just accept it. You maybe tell little lies from time to time and your conscience doesn't bother you. Perhaps a bit of flirting with the opposite sex. Perhaps stealing from the workplace or making larger expenses claims than you should. Tolerating sin in your life and a lack of the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God is true religion. And when the fear of God is no longer there, when you're no longer conscious of God looking at you, God seeing your heart, God watching your thoughts, when you no longer fear God, your Christian standards decline. Your sense of God is gone. And what you're concerned about instead of the fear of God is the fear of man. And the fear of man is a snare. Afraid of what people, what people are saying about you. Afraid of what they think about you. Afraid of people's eye upon you. Wanting to make a good impression. And it's all me, me, me. Backsliding. Sometimes God allows the backslider to fall into gross sin. Drunkenness. Adultery. Anger and loss of temper. He does that to show you your heart. But often, when it's backsliding, you don't fall into gross sin. Your sense of the fear of man keeps you out of that. But the coldness is there. The deadness, the formality, the ritualistic prayers, the lack of love for God, lack of love for the brethren. You become just like the church in Laodicea. The church at Laodicea thought they were, thought they were quite good. They thought that they were rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. Whereas, in God's eyes, they were poor and blind and naked and lukewarm and at the point of being spewed out of God's mouth. Do you think you could be in that condition? That God is looking at you tonight and saying, 
I will spew you out of my mouth. But what is the cause of backsliding? First major cause is a lack of awareness of the danger. Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. Are you watching and praying? Remember the disciples on the, the night when Christ was betrayed and crucified. They had a wonderful experience in the upper room. They had the Passover. They had the Lord's Supper. They had all the amazing teaching that we have in John chapter 13 to chapter 16. They heard Christ pray that marvelous prayer of John 17, the high priestly prayer. And Jesus said to them, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. But they didn't watch, and they didn't pray, and they slept. And they fell. Watch. And the second thing is a failure to cultivate godliness. Some people think, once you've become a Christian, you've arrived. Your sins are forgiven. You've got peace with God. And you've got a ticket for heaven. But actually... When you become a Christian, that's only the beginning. You have to go on from there. The scripture says that the Christian life is a pilgrimage. Bunyan left the city of destruction. Christian, he left it behind and he made his way to the celestial city. A long journey. Peter says to us, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grow. That means develop, mature, bear fruit, make real progress. You know how it is with a plane. A plane can't stop in the sky. And a plane can't go in reverse. A plane has got to be moving forward so that there's the upward thrust, thrust of air to keep it flying. And it's only by moving forward that it can fly. And the Christian's like that. It's only by moving forward that we fly on the way to heaven. But if we stop moving forward, down we come. We fall. So failure to cultivate godliness. We must keep going. As strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Run the race that is set before you with patience looking unto Jesus. Pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Another thing is neglect of the means of grace particularly the private means of grace. 
Neglect of Prayer Bible Reading Meditation Neglect of Prayer That's where backsliding shows first. Is there still that earnest prayer? These pleadings with the Lord? What our brother was talking about in his prayer? I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Is that the way it is with us? Or is it just a formal prayer? Rush through and off we go to work. or Get on with our business, whatever it is. The more important things are taking up our life than prayer. Prayer is neglected. And reading the Bible as food for your soul is neglected. It's read just to tick a box. Family worship becomes formal and dull and dead. Neglecting maybe the prayer meeting and the church. Neglecting the means of grace, especially private but even public, the fellowship of God's people, bad company, keeping company and spending most of your time with the with the ungodly in their ungodly ways. Now, there's nothing wrong with sitting and eating and drinking with sinners, as Jesus did, in order to witness to them and point them to the Savior and teach them. And that's something that we should be concerned about, the salvation of sinners. But the trouble is when we're more interested in their conversation, their lifestyles, their jokes than communicating the word of God. Bad company. Another thing is allowing a foothold for sin in your life. Allowing a foothold for unbelief. Blasphemous thoughts. Do you command them to go away? Do you turn from them and evil thoughts and try to fill your mind with good things and pray to the Lord against them? Do you allow doubts to come in and dwell upon them? Blasphemies, idols. Flee from idols. Little children, flee from idols. Flee from fornication. Run in the opposite direction. Any sin. Run away from it. Don't talk to it. Don't parley with it. But flee from sin. Doing what you know is wrong. Making excuses. It's only a little sin. That leads to backsliding. Usually it's gradual, as I said. No dramatic change, just letting the standard slip. And then hypocrisy, outward respectability, but the heart. Where is your heart? What do you love? 
What is the top place in your heart? What are you enthusiastic and excited about? What is it that's distracting you when you're praying? What is it that's so exciting in life? Are you setting your affections on the things that are above? Or setting your affections on the things that are below? Well, what is our duty? What is our duty in the face of backsliding? First of all, self-examination. Some people think self-examination is just a matter of what you do to see that you're converted or not. To see if you're amongst (coughs) God's children. And that's part of it. Yes, we are to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith and to prove our own selves. But there's got to be more than that. Bring ourselves to the scripture. Bring ourselves face to face with God's law. With the Sermon on the Mount. With the teaching of the Apostles. Self-examination. Is my soul in a healthy condition? Or is the leprosy of sin paralyzing me? Has disease taken over? Am I growing in grace, growing in liveliness, growing like Christ? Or am I falling away, turning back to idols? We've got no right to think of ourselves as Christians if we are indulging in open sin. If we are, condu- if we are content with backsliding, and a backslidden condition. You're not a Christian. You have no right to think yourself a Christian. A Christian is somebody who is wrestling against sin. Who's involved in war. And who are you fighting? The world, the flesh and the devil. The world around you that is trying to mould you into its own likeness and pressurize you to be like it. The flesh that is within, all the sinful desires that come from the the heart of man. What a sinful heart we have. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And we've got to be constantly mortifying the flesh, putting to death evil desires. And then there's the devil. Walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you knew there was a roaring lion out there tonight, would you be careful on your way out of this building? Of course you would. You would make sure that you got to your car very quickly, wouldn't you? And there's something far worse than a roaring lion, not just out there, but in here tonight. You see, the one who's best at attending the prayer meeting is Satan. He's never missing. He's always at the prayer meeting and he's always seeking to 
take away good thoughts. Like the dev like like the little birds eating up the seeds of God's word that are that are scattered upon the ground, on the pathway. And if we're like pathway hearers, the devil takes it away or distracts us or somehow or other turns good into that which is bad. So self-examination is important. And then, as we see sin in our lives, returning to the Lord. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquities. Turn from idols. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. O house of Israel, O church of God, for why will ye die? Turn from idols to the living God. Come back to him. Seek over and over again to come back. You know, repentance is not something you do once in your life. Repentance is something we should be doing every day. Every day repenting. Confessing your sins and repenting. Just as faith is not something that you make once in your life a decision. Faith is a constant relationship to Christ. Turning from sin, turning to God. Repenting daily. Coming back. Come back to your first love. Think of how you were when you were first converted. Why were you more zealous then? Why were you more loving then? Why were you more devoted to the Lord then? And here you are now with greater understanding and having made progress surely in the Christian life. So you should be going on unto perfection and not going back. Return to the Lord. Turn from every known sin. Turn from every idol. Turn to the ways of God. Turn and turn with prayer. Take with you words and turn to the Lord and say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, so we will render the calves of our lips. Take away all iniquity. Take away our sins. Take away our desire to sin. Take away the guilt of our sin and the desire to sin, and the sin itself, and may we be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Without holiness no man shall see the Lord. Take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously. It's all of grace. So will we render the calves of our lips, the offerings of praise. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. How often Israel sinned. By turning to Asher. To Assyria for help. And putting their trust in Assyria. And their trust in the horses of Egypt. Trusting in the work of their hands. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in Christ alone. And thee, the fatherless, findeth mercy. The poor and the needy and the helpless find mercy in God. 
Don't make excuses for your backsliding. Don't say, well, I'm not any worse than anybody else. Don't look at man as your standard. Look at the Bible. Look at the Word of God. Look at Christ. Remember what Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. Christ is our example. Don't accept a low standard. Don't accept being a second-rate Christian. Aim to be the best. Why? Because it's the least that could be expected of you. Think of what Christ endured on the cross. Think of his agony. The pain and the suffering of our beloved Saviour. Why? So that you would be like him. And that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Behold I and the children whom God hath given me. And then, finally, we notice the promise that's here. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away. I will love them freely. We believe in the free offer of the gospel. Yes, we offer the gospel freely to sinners. And what does that mean? We offer Christ. Christ is there. Take him. Trust in him. Receive and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. As the catechism says, receive and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ freely offered to you in the gospel. We believe in the free offer. But not just in the free offer to the unconverted. We believe in the free offer of the gospel and of Christ to the Christian. I will love them freely. How free God's love is. And we love him because he first loved us. The wonderful free love of God. What an encouragement that should be to us. And how we should love him in return. We need God. And we need his grace. And by grace we are saved at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end. And on the last day, the capstone will be placed with shouts of grace, grace unto it, all of grace unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins. To him be glory, to him be all the glory. He did it. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. The beginning and the end, the first and the last, begins the good work and brings it on until the day of Christ Jesus. So we need God, and God promises himself to us. I will heal their backsliding. That was a promise to Israel, and it's a promise to the church. Backsliding is not a cause for despair, but a cause to return unto the Lord, and he will heal your backsliding. I will love them freely, 
for mine anger is turned away from him. God is angry with his people at times. You know, there's all that soft, sentimental nonsense going round today where people say, God loves the sinner but doesn't love his sin. Well, who does he send to hell? Is it sin he sends to hell? No, it's a sinner. Nonsense, absolute nonsense. God deals with people, not with abstract things. And God hates sin. And he hates it particularly in his people. When he sees us sinning. And his anger is against us. And he's angry like a father who is offended. And he chastens us. And no chastisement for the present is joyous but grievous. It's painful and it's horrible. Nevertheless, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them who are exercised thereby. And as naughty children, we need chastisement. But the Lord in his mercy deals with us in that way. And he says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. And I will be as the Jew unto Israel, a dry land. Oh, how wonderful the Jew was, the Jew that made things grow. I will be as the Jew to Israel, making him to grow as the lily and cast forth his roots like the cedars of Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree in his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. And the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. And Ephraim shall say, what have I to do any more with idols? wonder are you saying that tonight. What have I to do any more with idols? I hate them. I'll trample upon them. I'll cast them away to the moles and to the bats. I don't want idols any more. Lord, I love thee. I will love thee with all my heart and soul and strength and mind. I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir, fir tree. From thee is thine help found. Salvation, it's of grace. It's all of grace. And you and I, we depend totally upon that grace. Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Simon, oh, what a blessing. The intercession of Christ. How wonderful it is that we have an advocate. Let us rejoice in the work of our great advocate. O Israel, return unto the Lord your God. Don't be content to be at a distance from him. He's calling to us and he's saying, come, come to me. We feel weak. 
We feel the strength of sin. We feel the temptations of the world around us, the enticements of Satan. But let us call out to the Lord. Let us return unto him and take with us words and discover that he is the God who heals our backsliding, who loves us freely, and who is as the Jew unto Israel. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we thank thee for thy word and all its exhortations. And we have to confess, Lord, that we're far from what we should be. But we pray for thy grace in our lives, thy mighty working in us. Lord, keep us from being content, sitting in our sins and wallowing in our uncleanness. Help us, Lord, to depart from evil and do good, to seek peace and to pursue it earnestly to walk in the light as thou art in the light, and to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather to reprove them. Lord, do thou bless us and pity us and shine on us with thy face. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Our closing praise is Psalm 63. Psalm 63, and we'll sing verses 1 to 5. Lord, thee, my God, I'll early seek. My soul doth thirst for thee. My flesh longs in a dry, parched land, wherein no waters be, that I thy power may behold and brightness of thy face, as I have seen thee heretofore within thy holy place. Psalm 63, verses 1 to 5. Lord, my God, I
are as follows. Services next Sabbath at the usual times, 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Uh, all DV. There are leaflets on the table about a book written by the late Reverend Hugh Ferrier entitled Ministers of the Free Church in Verness, 1843-1974. to If you wish to purchase copies of this book, please add your name and the number of copies you would like to the order sheet on the table. If 10 or more copies are ordered by the congregation, the cost will be reduced to £6 per copy. There is also a sheet for orders for the seminary journal with articles by Reverends James Clark, Trevor Kirkland and others. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.